We hear a lot of perspectives on the Mankind Podcast. Inclusion of a guest is not an endorsement of their views, and the opinions expressed here do not always represent the mission or values of the Mankind Project USA. G'day guys, Brandon here. Before we get stuck into the interview with Mike Patterson, uh, it's with great sadness and regret to inform you that the Southern the sovereign leadership experience uh, that is referenced multiple times in this episode has been pulled due to one of the team members at Leader Champions experiencing quite a significant loss. And so for those of you that have signed up for this training, please just know that we're going to allow time for grieving, allow time for healing, and that this training has been moved forward to next year. So for those of you that listen to this episode that want to find out more details, head to leaderchampions.com go to contact us and put your details down to say that you want information about this training when it comes around. But for now, the Leader Champions team just wants to thank you for your understanding as we allow this person to go through his process. Looks like the rain has gone. G'day and welcome to the Mankind Podcast, the show where we break the molds of modern manhood to prove there's more than one way to be a man. And today we are joined by Mike Patterson. Mike Patterson is a co-leader at the Mankind Project, has been for many years now, as well as an international coach. Dude has been all over the world coaching and supporting men throughout their journeys and now has embarked on his journey through changing the status quo of how leaders lead and operate. It seems today we need healthy leaders or healthy models of leadership now more than ever. And he and his team at Leader Champions are embarking on that journey and doing a bloody good job with the uh, with the clients that they've been working with. And so today we're going to be talking all things leadership, how we can turn up ourselves as better leaders to both lead our own lives and have stronger impact on those around us, those we influence, those we love. So Mike, welcome to the show, mate. It's great to be here, man. Yeah. So Mate, why the calling to leadership? What is, what is the, the importance of this now in 2022? I don't know that it's just an importance now in 2022. I think it's been an importance for as long as I've been around, if not decades and centuries before. But why I'm so passionate about it right now is I see still here in 2022 the main Thing that's happening in leadership is this power over dynamic rather than leaders actually embracing, embodying their own power. And it's still the my way or the highway. Traditionally, leadership has been the elite class or the ruling class holding the status quo where it's at. That was the whole point of leadership was we got the power. We're here to keep the power and we're here to keep you in line. And that was really traditionally what leadership was. And crazy enough, here we are in 2022 and it hasn't come that far. And my passion on the planet is to transform that, to allow people to understand their own leadership, whether they're leading in their own lives or whether they're doing organizational leadership. Mm. Yeah, it seems to me almost insane that there 
is a single individual or a single group of people that can have so much say in our day-to-day lives and what we're seeing these days with our bodies and with like it's wild it, it absolutely blows my mind that there are a select few people that we supposedly elect that have so much sway and pull in the day-to-day yet more and more i think we're starting to see a, a greater divide now more than ever between leadership and and those of us being led so i want to ask ask you mike why why do you feel like there's a growing disconnect between whether it's political leadership, whether it's you know corporations or business leadership? Why are we seeing this greater divide growing between leaders and those they lead? And is that a part of the status quo? Well, I think what's happening right now for the first time in history, and it's not like it just begun, you know, today or this week or this year, but with the information that's out there more and more people are waking up to the idea that the leaders are toxic, that there's this toxic element in leadership. And we've seen since the great resignation, since the beginning of COVID, since the murder of George Floyd, you know, since the Me Too movement, there's been a lot of determining factors that people are just fed up with leadership and and the toxic leadership is what I'm talking about more and more people are following the sages that have the empathetic style of leadership, which I I know that's just a very broad term, but we want to follow these types of people. And it's been going on for a long time. If we want to look back to people like Nelson Mandela, if we want to realize what was happening with Martin Luther King in the sixties, Um, Harvey Milk is a great example, but there's also this style of leadership. If we look at indigenous cultures, like this has been around for a long, long time. And I think that the difference today is people are waking up to, oh, as humans, we really are heart driven people and we've been led astray by trying to lead with our minds. And I know that maybe I just opened the can of worms right there, but I think that people are starting to wake up to the fact that humans are part of the natural world. We're not separate from it. And a lot of that has to do with why leader champions are big summit this year is out in the wilderness. We're doing leadership in the wilderness. We're calling this uh summon the sovereign and the whole idea of a leadership training in nature is for that very reason right so the very reason is to get out of the heads Mm -hmm. right get out of the computer and connect to the heart connect to the elements get away from distraction like i could say man i just god i wish i could introduce like ayahuasca to some of the people leading just to just to open some things and instead of just have this such this head game i mean we had a dene sebastiana who you know uh come on the show previously and and that's been a big part of what he's been teaching is we have become so disconnected from our hearts that things like 
the shootings in Texas, the school shootings in Texas, and the six subsequent ones we've had over the past week, you have these leaders that have these disconnected talking points with such little empathy, almost in an attempt to separate themselves from what's actually happening. And it's like, man, if we could just get them out of that toxic environment and into a place where they could actually feel the reality of what's happening and the pain, I guess in that instance, that is causing to so many. If we really had to stop and check in with ourselves around the pain that exists in the world as leaders, it's really hard to lead. Hmm. And when I see somebody talk about whether or not somebody left a door open or unlocked and that that's the idea that we're focusing on with this school shooting. I'm thinking to myself, what, why is that even a concern? Because we're looking to blame, you know, the victim, anybody that was inside of that school was a victim. There was a a perpetrator with a gun. So the idea that we're looking to see who left the door open, I really think that the, the leaders aren't focusing on the problem at hand. Yeah. And we can't even, we need to look at the mental health of, of the world right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We need to look at a lot of things, but that seems to be the response is quickly to the blame game. Very little ownership, very little responsibility. Let's blame something else. And I think what allowed so many to follow the Mandela's, the Harvey Milks, the Dr. Martin Luther King's is the fact that they, those leaders were able to connect with those that were leading on a heart level. Yeah. Not only a heart level, but, but here's the difference in my opinion for that leaders that are just amazing is what they're doing is they're connecting to a vision. And those that are following them are really just following their own hearts and they believe in the vision and it has very little to do with the leader. I mean, of course, there's that leaders there, that leaders talking about this vision, making it known. But the idea that everybody wanted to get together on a hot August day and head to Washington, D.C. and fill the mall because of Martin Luther King, which if we look back in history, Martin Luther King, when he was alive, was not the popular person that people want to believe that he he is. Nor a squeaky clean human being either. Yeah. And, yeah. and most leaders, if we dig into their lives, right, they had some they had some toxic parts of them. Oh, but, shit. You're telling me they're human, Mike? <laughs> I'm not only telling you they're human, but what I'm saying is what's interesting is how we as a culture want to idolize these leaders. Yeah. And if we think back in history, what was going on, they were doing the best job that they could at that time, given what they had. They weren't perfect by any means. Mm-hmm. And yet we as a culture, we want to idolize idealize them, act as though they didn't have any problems, act as though they did no wrong. And what we do today with leaders that aren't idealized, that are in modern, modern times, is people pick them apart. They dig through their mail. They find that thing that yeah. 
we can expose to discredit them. It's like, really, what are we doing here? Yeah. And then it's the baby with the bathwater from then on. And it sounds like part of what we're doing there is recognizing something, like just something. Where is the flaw? Where is the fault in this leader? So I don't have to follow them. So I don't have to be led by such persons. But I've found in my past, in my history, through leaders I've had challenges with, challenges with following is they it was just something in me really that was like trying to undermine them because i myself wanted to be the leader or a leader or whatever they were trying to get down on and promote as to us they who they were leading i myself hadn't done that work or been there or had that clarity of vision so i'm like hey screw you don't try and lead me i'm gonna lead me and then not know the first thing of how to actually do that (laughs) back when i was coming up through leadership and this was decades ago when I was trying to wrap my head around just what you said. I was upset with the leaders or trying to undermine the leaders. And it was really, I was in the drama triangle. I was wanting to be seen as the leader Mm -hmm. where I wanted to lead. And therefore I was perpetrating against the leaders. Mm. But what a great lesson for me, one, to understand about myself and two, for me as a leader to understand when I'm leading something or anybody who's leading, the, the larger we get as a leader, the bigger that target becomes for us, the smaller our personal space is, and people are constantly shooting arrows, trying to undermine, well, I'll make it about me, trying to undermine my leadership. And it happens all the time. Yeah. Especially when somebody like myself who doesn't look like the typical leader, I don't have the $2,000 suit, the perfect haircut. I, I like to swear a lot. <laughs> um, I have a learning disability. I didn't graduate from an Ivy League school and I don't have all the right letters after my name. And those are the things that people like to come at me with. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense because that's whole part of like trying to fit the status quo. If you were trying to fit the status quo, you'd be on a business card in a suit pointing, being like, hey, you want to lead? You know? But that's that toxic style of leadership. And I get to exploit that when someone comes at me, if I'm leading a training. And of course, somebody doesn't like the fact that I'm leading a leadership training. So they try to undermine me in front of everybody. That's a perpetration. So once we step into that drama triangle, then my job is to not perpetuate the drama, but instead step out of it to either become the coach or become the challenger and allow them who are feeling their victim without being conscious of it What is it that they can create for themselves so that we're not in the drama? So for those of you that aren't, yeah, that aren't versed in the empowering dynamic, right? That's the way out of the drama. So, Yeah, I think that's, well, that's what healthy self-awareness looks like to me. I mean, I've, I've been on trainings where, and I get this a lot being the young guy in MKP. I mean, I haven't done nearly as much as I should have with the young warrior programs within the Mankind Project. I'm generally kicking it with the older dudes 
And when I come in as a leader or leading a process, all the time I witness these old fellas that are just like, who on earth are you to tell me how I should ABC? And maybe they don't say it in that guttural Aussie accent. But <laughs> nevertheless, the challenge for me then, see, in those moments, I want to be like, fuck you. Oh, you want to go? Huh? You want to flex? But the challenge for me and where most of the, the fruits have come from has been, all right, here we go. Here's the challenge here. Now, how can I connect with this individual? How can I empower this individual without giving up any of my own? But how can I empower that person to be a part of the process? To be to share the vision of what we're about to do. So let's let's not make this about me anymore. Let's make this about the process we're about to do. Mm-hmm. Forget about me. I happen to be the dude on point. Doesn't matter. It's about the the participants getting the result, and you're on my team. Let's connect on the vision of that versus our little penis measuring competition we're about to have to see who's the better leader. <laughs> you know, one of the classes or workshops that, that we teach at Leader Champions is called Blind Spots of Leadership. And it's just about what you were talking about is that a young person comes in and middle-aged or older men feel threatened, right? And I'll just say that that's, that's what's happening there is they're feeling threatened. Oh, this young guy, what does he know? Or they're feeling threatened like, oh, my, maybe this young guy knows something that I don't and I'm unconsciously feeling something, a threat to my ego or emotions or something that way. So that's one of the blind spots in leadership is to be able to be aware of what's going on with me. And we call it this location tool, but am I feeling threatened and holding on to my opinion of, of being right? Or am I actually open and curious and able to learn? So that's the location is where, where am I in that spectrum? And just understanding the simple brain science of the amygdala and how it, it's pinging. <laughs> you know, I don't, look, I can talk crap about leaders all day, whether they're in your fortune fifties or the American government. I do not envy that position whatsoever. Cause you gotta be, you gotta be eating shit 24 seven from people. And it doesn't seem to be popular. Actually, no, it seems so incredibly rare. In fact, I can't think of many examples where leaders have gone, you know, I'm wrong and I'm sorry. Or to be able to kind of self-identify with a role that they had played, it's clear mistake was made and then run away from the truth as much as possible, run away from ownership. Whereas if you're leading me, Mike, and let's just say, black and white, night and day, you royally mess something up. Mm-hmm. It, it's on you. Mm-hmm. For you in that moment, and this is just me, but I can't speak for anyone else's lens for those that are listening. But for you to then go, ooh, yep, hand up. I did that. And I take ownership for that. R- regardless of how nefarious or egregious, to, to, to at least own it, I could still be upset with you after the fact. But the fact that you took the step to at least take ownership which in this work, men's work, is so like elementary. <laughs> but to just that simple piece of, hey, I made a mistake and own up to it, the trust I then have for you, the commitment I then have to you as a leader, it just goes through the roof. 
So why do you think so many, so many leaders in general are just trying to swoop things under the rug or not claim ownership or take responsibility for things they have a direct impact on? The reason why is because the culture, it's the culture of leadership. It's toxic. And I, I mean, I've been saying this for, for so long now. I'm tired of saying that I, Mike Patterson, that leader champions that were here to change the culture of leadership, but the, the culture is toxic. The culture is that if I am asked a question as a leader and I don't have an answer, that I'm somehow inferior, I need to know everything. That if I make a mistake, that I'm infallible, so I don't make mistakes. That if I've done something wrong, that I sweep it under the rug or deny it at all costs. This is the culture. And the reality of it is that there is not a lot of trust in leaders. Like you said, if I was to say, I don't know, if I was to stop everything and say, I want to own my responsibility for the impact that I had in a negative way on someone. Or if I had positive impact, well, then I want to own that for sure. But to just own my impact, period. And that leaders in this toxic culture, they don't own their impact. They don't even look at their impact. Yeah. And there is no trust. So if there's three things that I believe in leadership, one, it's my responsibility to take care of myself, my own well-being, period. It's my job to take care of the well-being of the people that I'm leading. And the third piece is it's my responsibility to take care of the environment in which I'm leading, to make sure there's enough things like psychological safety that people can be their natural best. Because I really believe that if everyone is in an environment where we can do our natural best, then we're going to succeed and we're going to do it with ease. And there's going to be a whole lot more trust built. Mm-hmm. And it's real easy for me to name these three things, take care of myself, take care of those that I, that I lead and take care of the environment. That just sounds great, but it's so very difficult to do. Yeah. I mean, in, in application, it's, it's quite challenging because in my experiences of having led like sport teams or um, like I was sports captain at school. And so there was a couple of hundred kids that I was having a lead and kind of corral. I never, the only, the only context I thought about myself, that number one, my well being, was, do I look stupid right now? Am I going to embarrass myself? Am I going to drop the ball? I wasn't thinking of myself as, Hey, Brandon, you just stared at a spreadsheet for 12 hours to no conclusion. Maybe you should take a break. No, (laughs) it was the external environment, those in the environment and not taking care of myself, which I think is a clear and a clear representation of, I would have fit into that toxic culture of leadership quite well. Yeah. I've, I've been there myself. I'm not going to act like I wasn't raised up in the toxic culture, right? It's, it's everywhere. We're saying toxic though. I mean, I've, it's a word that seems to be getting used quite sparingly these days, especially in the concept of, and you guys know if you listen to the show long enough, toxic masculinity. It's a phrase we don't like to use outside of identify as something that is very misused. So when you say toxic in culture, mm-hmm. what do you mean by that? 
well, we could say shadow. There's a, a word that we like to use in the Mankind Project, but just the culture that exists within leadership is about a top-down approach. It's There's one person or a few people at the top that are somehow infallible. It's my way or the highway. It's I hold the power and you don't, and you're going to listen to me. It's I will cut you down and cut you out at any cost to hold this power. And, you know, put me on the spot here. I mean, those are just some of the examples. But the reality is we've seen this again and again and again. And right now, if we go back to the beginning of this conversation, what's happening right now in history is the first time that we're really starting to see on a regular basis that these empires are crumbling, okay? These long-time old money empires are starting to get in trouble because men, I hate to say it, but men are the ones that are doing things and not taking responsibility for it and all of the evidence and all of the things are getting leaked out and they're just still holding tight (laughs) to this old way of leadership of nope, didn't do it. Wasn't there. I don't know what you're talking about. I'll let the lawyers fight it out. It's the door's fault. (laughs) We're seeing plenty of these examples. And what's lovely is also there's, People that are waking up to this, a lot of people, I mean, there's Ivy League schools now are actually teaching more about emotional intelligence and why it's important. And that when somebody goes to apply for a job and they have the degree and people are looking through resumes, chances are pretty good. Everybody that's applying for this executive position, let's say they know what they're doing. They know the job. They know how to do it well, get it done. But more importantly, what people are looking for, what organizations are looking for now is they're looking for, is this person a team player? How well do they understand themselves? How well do they work on teams? Yeah. What kind of trust can be established with these people? I would be interviewing somebody and say, hey, man, when you're thrown off balance, how quick can you get back to center? What's your practice around centering yourself? And people that don't know how to answer those types of questions in a in an interview, I think, aren't going to get the job. And that's where somebody like myself as a life or leadership coach comes into play is because those are the types of things that me and my clients are looking at is emotional awareness, getting back to center understanding that the world is going to do what the world does, but how am I being with what's going on in the world? Isn't that interesting? We have this, we have this evidence now that there are Harvard educated applicants getting passed over by someone who got a degree in Bodunksville because they have greater self-awareness that you could have the degree, you could have the, all the bells and whistles to be, say, the authority for this role. Like, you know what you need to do. But if your personality does not fit in the team, if you don't have enough emotional awareness of how you can navigate a space with other team members, 
in a space where, yeah, cool, Harvard, but you can't flex that in a lot of the environments these days. That That is the perception of value of those things. Not to say that anyone who has worked that hard to get into a school like that doesn't deserve some recognition. However, EQ is evidently surpassing IQ in just about every test across the board when it comes to getting a job, joining a high-profile team. So yes, absolutely yes. I'm so glad to hear that that is becoming a part of the the hiring process or as part of the kind of team building process is to identify, can this person exist as a human being who has a function and a role, but as a human being, can this person exist in this collective? But because of that, like, I think that your generation, Brandon, and those that are younger than you have the advantage of actually growing up and talking more about these life issues because my generation and generations before me, nope, that was part of that toxic culture to go back to that word that we don't want to use, but that really that the culture was um, suck it up. Don't have feelings or you're only as good as what you produce. Your productivity defines you. And these are the pieces that take away our humanity. So when I keep talking about reclaiming your humanity, which is another training about emotional intelligence that Leader Champions offers, it's about being able to understand these things that make us all human. And that way, if the culture calls me out and says, hey, you only produced this this week. Then I could say, yeah, that's right. This week I was um, focusing more on rest and renewal. Yeah. If somebody says you were doing what? Your bottom line dropped because you were focusing on rest and renewal. And I'll say, well, yeah, I'm, I'm not a machine. I'm actually human. And that doesn't mean that next week I won't be able to do more. If you're enjoying the Mankind Podcast, how about taking another step? Now this one takes some courage, and you have it. Come check out the Men's Work Introduction. It's three sessions over three weeks, with new sessions starting every month, where you can join other men on the path. You can find out more about the Men's Work course in the show notes. Oh, and I also, I spoke to my GM in advance about that, that I was going to be dialing back this week because I had the self-awareness and the people skills to communicate this stuff. (laughs) And that leader, if they had those skills, would go, hey, Mike, your numbers are down. What's up? Exactly. Right. Because it's my job as the leader to make sure your well-being is okay. And is there something about the environment, at least the environment here in the organization, that I could somehow influence. And if you say, yeah, well, my home life is a wreck right now. Then again, as the leader, how can I support you in, you know, sorting your home life so that you can be the best you can be? Yeah. These, uh, these soft skills, as it's often referred to, 
you know, we know they're becoming more necessary. The, the perception of value is going up. I tell you, having sat in circle since I began seven years ago, primarily with people older than me, uh, has given me a capacity for empathy for men whose models just weren't that. They, they weren't the conversations that I, as a millennial, have been able to have. And again, these conversations didn't happen until well into my 20s. So still quite a new phenomenon on a kind of grander social stage. But I, for that individual, that perhaps older person or someone my age who still was in an environment that was bootstraps, taken on the chin, don't be a this, don't be a that, you know, what, what's the invitation and what are some of the, the kind of first little steps into the shallow end of the pool that people can take to, to kind of take stock for where they stand with these soft skills, where they are with their emotional intelligence and how that relates to their leadership? Well, first thing I would say, <laughs> you're giving me all these different references or, or metaphors. So the, the shallow end of the pool, first realize that you're human. Mm whatever environment that you're in that's telling you that you're only as good as what you can produce and that somehow you don't need to take care of yourself that what comes first is work for you to understand no i'm human and i deserve to take care of myself and what i'm bringing to the table is a service that i'm going to be compensated for and hopefully the company realizes that they need you and you need them. And it's this equal uh, relationship. So understand your own worth, period. As far as leadership goes, I think it's really important that people understand that, yes, you're a leader in your life. It's not just leaders that are, are part of bigger organizations, companies, corporations, that we're all leaders in our lives. So anybody who wants to improve their leadership skills, by all means, jump in. We need you. Yeah. We need you to be a leader champion. There you go. Well, you got to start with yourself is what's becoming clear from this conversation is that the leaders that we see crumble and fall once they get to the heights, you know, just read the biographies. You find out that many of them had very disjointed relationships with themselves. Yeah. And yeah. we're car carrying a lot of crap with them as well. So to actually start from an inside out approach as a leader versus outside in the suit, the rented Lamborghini. <laughs> it's, it's not just leadership. It's all inside out as a human being. Mm. It's not just leadership. This perceived idea that leaders hold the power is insane. So power comes from within period. It's not something that's outside of us. It is us. We individually are the power. And this present moment, this is all we're ever going to have. So in the present, I possess choice and the ability to make decisions. And there is where I define the nature of who I am, what I do, and what experience as a result. My power to shift, transform, remember, create is my ability to choose right now. And that's where consciousness lives right now. That's all we have. So this idea that I can take your power from you or I can give my power away, that's silly. 
Power is us. And our job, especially as leaders, is to empower ourselves. The bigger practice that I would tell the listener is how can you create a practice for yourself to be present right here, right now? Because if I'm living in the future, then I'm thinking about something that's not here that doesn't necessarily exist yet. There's all kinds of fears and thoughts that I have about the future and all of those emotions that I have that are in the future come from my experience, which is in the past. Where in this moment, I'm sitting here having a conversation with you and life is pretty grounded, centered and good because I'm in the present. It doesn't mean I don't have hard things going on in my life, but it means that if I am in this moment right here, there's a power in that and nobody can touch that. Nobody can take that from me. I'm sure as hell not going to give it away. But if I can be inspiring or motivational, then others can jump on board with that. And that's, that's the kind of leadership that I want to, well, empower, display. I want people to say, damn, Patterson was pretty motivational there with his words, with his actions, with his presence. And that made me want to do something different. And if I can create that in the world, man, that's, that's what I really want. And that's what I want from others. I want us all to step into our power and realize this isn't some limited thing. It's not like, oh, if, if I hold the power, you don't get any. No, let's create it together. Let's make it bigger. Yeah, from that centered space or perhaps from that environment and others that support that ability to kind of be present and be centered there's a uh, coming into conversations like this. There's this left side of my brain that goes, all right, Mike, what's the 12 step plan to being a great leader or yeah, you want the plan? Well, well straight up. So the, the biggest thing that I see that's lacking in leadership. We talk a lot about it in men's work. We talk about archetypal energies. And one of the biggest things that I'm focusing on right now is this sovereign energy. And that's why we've created this whole summit, the summon the sovereign training Hmm. is because we as a people, as a species, we need more of that sovereign energy, period. Most people, most people have a big, huge sovereign wound, a big gaping hole of where sovereign didn't exist in their life. And therefore, leadership is lacking. So we'll dial it back. So Doug Gillette, we had on the show a couple episodes ago to talk, you know, we unpacked the kind of male archetypes, king, warrior, magician, lover. Mm-hmm. And in the, in the king episode, we discussed, you know, the, the difference between fullness and shadow, right? The king and his fullness is about empowerment and blessing, right? Brings up the next generation of leaders and empowers those around them. And another function of the king and their fullness or the sovereign we'll say here mm-hmm. is the environment, you know, the kingdom, establishing a kingdom in which all time, you know, everyone gets to benefit from creating that space. It's like when you see those leaders that you're just so magnetized by, it. it's like, man, I can't even verbalize it, but they just have something. They just have something that I want and I trust them and I'm going to follow them. But on the shadow side, 
well, how we find the, the king in its fullness or the sovereign in its fullness falls into shadow is through the wound of the kingdoms at threat is being threatened, meaning everything is being threatened. I am being threatened. Everything around me is being threatened, which can make me become a tyrant or can make me a rusty undermining mother. You know what? That just wants to get my own way and kind of crumble things around me. So to set the scene for this conversation around the sovereign wound, mm-hmm. where do you witness these wounds occur in the clients that you're working with and those that attend workshops like this? Well, where the wound exists is that they nobody's ever really acknowledged and blessed them for all the things that they've done. No. And I know this well because my lie growing up was that I have to do something in order for you to love and accept me. And so spent most of my life doing, doing, doing. Yeah, I hear that. And it's not this idea of, well, we're human beings. We're not human doings. I've heard people say that again, <laughs> man, I like doing stuff. I really do. Yeah. Okay? I like to get things done. I like to cross things off a list. I like to be, I'm an accomplished person in that sense. However, what am I doing it for? And that's just it. Am I doing it for me, for my own satisfaction, for my own contribution? Or am I doing it because I want to be validated by somebody else? If the listener could think about the things in their world, let's just talk about significance. And I'll say, if that word doesn't resonate with you, then uh, importance, uniqueness, special, but I'm going to call it significance. So think about, do you create your own significance from within, inside out, like you said, Brandon, or are you looking around in your world for others to validate your significance? B. (laughs) Because (laughs) if, if, if you or the listener is looking for other people to validate your significance, then it's outside in. Yeah. Then... My whole point is, you know, I want you to create a practice where you can understand your own significance. Oh, man. If you do understand your own significance, then your inner sovereign is in alignment. You're helping heal your own wounds. But more importantly, your sovereign is actually blessing seeing other people's significance And hopefully when you're blessing others, they're recognizing it within themselves rather than, oh man, Mike's so awesome. He sees this part of me and makes me feel unique or special or significant. No, no, no. Please give it to yourself. Yes, I want to bless you up for the things that I see in you. And I also want you to give it to yourself. That's that sovereign wound. I'm not here to fill your hole. I want you to fill it for yourself. Oh, This is so stinking relevant right now, Mike, to me. I mean, I can see the direct application in this for if I'm in an organization, in a company trying to bring the next successor up so I can then move up. I can give them lip service all day. I can gaslight them, make them think that, you know, they're really killing it. But if they're not going to believe it in themselves, it doesn't matter. You're pouring pouring water into a cup that's got holes in the bottom. Mm -hmm. So that makes sense. The ability to... One, prove that you that I myself 
feel it, believe it. So I can model that. So the next person goes, oh, I want a piece of that. And I'm going to start doing that for myself, whether it's through ritual, whether it's through the environment that's created. Uh, so yes, like bing, bing, bing. I have the stupidest example. <laughs> well, I say stupid. Maybe that's me being a bit harsh on myself, but I have the most like elementary example that messed with me so bad of this just the other day. So Christine goes away to Nashville with a fur girls weekend. And I'm thinking, yeah, I'm going to lay on the couch all weekend, slide around in my socks, risky business style. And I think, you know what? No, she's carrying our baby. That's a lot of work. I'm going to, I'm going to clean the garage. And like this, men, raise your hands. Can you relate the project cars in there and like tools everywhere? So I'm going to clean the garage. It's going to be spotless. I spend a day in there, mate, a day in there. And it is squeaky clean. It looks beautiful right now. And Christine comes home after this big trip. And I'm just sitting there waiting, just waiting for her to recognize, waiting for her to notice. Oh, she's not coming through the gap. No. Oh, she went through the front door. Okay. That's okay. That's okay. I'm not going to go to bed. Waiting for her to validate you. (laughs) Next morning, she goes to work through the front door. She only ever uses the garage and goes to work. And I'm sitting there just like, oh my gosh, like, come on, bless me. Bless me for doing this. And I was so stinky that day. Like, how has she not said anything to me about this amazing work? Not to, And I was so stinky about that. I didn't realize or recognize that she texted me that morning and said, babe, the garage looks amazing. Thank you so much. I love you. I opened and read that text, but still at the end of the day, had believed that she hadn't even seen it yet. Because I myself didn't finish that job and go, Brandon, mate, smashed it. Well done. It looks great. I put all the power in her hands. Mm-hmm. In turn, that's not good for her. No. At all. No. Yeah, oh, it's 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 so horrible. Because setting her up to fail. Right. You're setting her up. You're setting her up. And and yeah, please. <sighs> So these are great lessons in leadership. So thank you for sharing that story. And for all of us, let's do our inside out work, Mm. especially in relationship. Because if I get involved in a relationship where I'm looking for my significant other to fill those parts of me that I'm not willing to fill for myself, man, that's just, that's just a bad recipe. (laughs) It's just a bad recipe. Dude, I just, I kicked myself. Sorry, no, I blessed myself. Because I was just like, that was so silly that I put all that power into her hands. And it it impacted my ability to turn up at work, all that stuff, when I had the key the whole time to it. And so, yeah, I mean, I can think of multiple examples where that happened in a professional context. That that it was just different person, different situation, different scenario, same feeling, same impact on me to go oh wow i need to start filling my cup on this one and getting into my sovereign rather than giving it to everyone else and making it their job to make me feel this way and if somebody like you brandon that is just so seeped in men's work and in personal growth if you're in that place then just think about all of the people that are at work today in leading and managing positions that are basically just waiting 
for somebody else to either not validate them because they're not aware that they're looking for validation or they're waiting for somebody to fail so they can cut them down and feel powerful rather than understanding that the power that they have is within them. Those are the types of things that are perpetuating the sovereign wound. Those are the types of things that are keeping us from our sovereign. And that's really a big element or component of why the culture is the way it is in the first place. You know, that's what's alive in me and my leadership right now is this idea of summoning the sovereign and why it's a, a, a wild leadership experience. Why we're doing this thing in the wilds of Idaho this summer is to allow people to come back into nature, to understand they are part of nature, to understand that they can come from a heart space rather than a head space. And we're here to experience something. We talk about integration and activation. We're here to take these tools, integrate them into our lives, but also activate them and put them to use in the world. Because I could go in and give a, a great motivational speech at any corporation tomorrow. And then the retention by the, you know, everybody goes home feeling great, yeah. but the retention just falls off because there's no practice. There's no action item. There's no thing to integrate this into my world. Yeah. The, the hotel conference room. Doesn't work. Right. In Anaheim. Yeah. No, I, I know the feeling. I've jumped up and down and thrown my hands in the air and come Tuesday, the missus is like, oh, cool. Yeah. Take out the trash. <laughs> and it's okay to take out the trash, man. Yeah. But, but as you're taking out the trash, what I'm saying is to activate that thing in you and yeah. integrate that thing in you that you took home from the conference. So, yeah, as the listeners, especially those that have understand why the Mankind Project does these trainings out in nature is we have to get out of the culture, the elements that we're so used to, that are so ingrained. We have to put down our cell phone. We have to walk away from the TV screen, walk away from the schedules, walk away from all of the outside world in order to learn something new. You know, some, some interviewer, might say why Idaho and all I got to say is I've been to this location I've done a training there before and it is I've done some miles in the states since I moved here in 2019 this spot in Idaho specifically I have never I don't think I've seen anything as beautiful and grounding as the space that this training is going to be held I mean like a snow melt mountain spring oxbow just like bending around the property and just the amount of moose we saw out there it's it truly i mean you say oh wild and yet but like some christian camp no this is altitude this is no cell service like you're in the wild so i see yeah definitely like changing the environment getting out of familiar spaces to identify the stuff is so necessary and create an experience that can be anchored to take home and something something that you know You'll never forget. So, mate, sign me up. I'll be there. Nice. Got my word. Accountability. It's some podcast accountability. All you listeners, I'll be there. So let me leave the listener with one thing just to, to ponder within themselves and their own leadership. One of the things that leader champions were constantly looking at is blind spots. You and, and, and the listeners talk a lot about shadow, but these are actually blind spots rather than shadow. And as a leader, it's really, really important for me 
to believe that the people that I'm leading can do the job they signed up to do, that they're competent, they have confidence, but really believe that they can do that. And one of the biggest things that I encounter within leadership is when the leader just doesn't believe in the person and they're just waiting for them to fail so that they can expose it. And if that's not the blind spot, then as a person, if I am being led by somebody, do I believe that I can do what they're asking me to do? Do I believe in myself? Or if I don't, and I haven't said something to the person that's leading, like, hey, I don't know if I can really do this. I don't know if I got what it takes. But if I don't believe that I can do it, then there's another blind spot. And if I don't believe in the leader, so you mentioned that, well, I'm waiting for the leadership to fail. If I don't believe in the leader, then I'm spending a lot of energy waiting for them to fail so I can point that out too. So these blind spots that exist within ourselves as leaders or within ourselves in understanding our own capabilities and what we're worth doing or the leadership that we're following, this is what happens and why it's a blind spot is it's part of that sovereign wound. Believing in myself, believing in those that, that follow me or that I lead, I mean, there's, there's nothing more important than waking up to the blind spots that exist within myself and others. Yeah, no doubt. Because then you get to bring it to the light and work on it. And if you like doing, you get to do some stuff about it. I like doing stuff, man. I'm a doer. <laughs> that, so that's what I want to leave listening with is just really this, this sovereign archetype and I don't want to call it a king, but I want to call it a sovereign. And I believe that this sovereign energy you know, exists in men and women and that there's a lot there. Mate, clearly there's shed loads of it. Plenty of sheds to put all that stuff in. That's for sure. Well, the uh, Summon the Sovereign Wild Leadership Experience is happening in August 12th to the 14th in Mackie, Idaho. I myself cannot wait to be there. I, when I heard about the training and found ways that I could be a part and support, I mean, having done a, having done your blind spots of leadership training and it just rocking my world. I have cynicism towards a lot of online trainings because some of them are just like marketed so heavily. And then there's all that fluff where yours was very word of mouth and had so much substance to it. When I found out that this wildlife experience was happening and at one of the most beautiful spots in America, I knew I was in immediately. So got permission from the missus. We know it's happening. We know we're going and I can't wait. So for those of you uh, listening to this episode right now that you yourself may, may see the, the need to look at some of these blind spots, take them with you to an experience like this and to learn proper tools of how to bless yourself so that you can bless others in your life. And I'm telling you, that equates to all the surface levels, money, greater relationships, right? Professional success, all of that follows this stuff. Then 
head to uh, leaderchampions.com and you'll see the links to the Summon the Sovereign. Of course, we'll have it in these show notes as well. So yeah, Mike, mate, this is fun. I love getting you on. It's been a while since we had you back on and uh, talking, talking about some good stuff, mate. Clearly, this is something that's uh, very alive in you and you're seeing the impacts of it, you and the team at Leader Champions. So yeah, man, any final comments or thoughts? No, I just honored to be here. Great to talk about leadership. That's what I, I love. That's my jam. And so mm-hmm. thanks, for, thanks for having me on. Beautiful. Well, we want to thank the listeners as well for being here for the Mankind Podcast, the show where we break the molds of modern manhood to prove there is more than one way to be a man. Clearly, and there's more than one way to be a leader, which is evident from this conversation. I want to thank you all for your commitment to joining us each and every week as we bring on powerful guests that are bringing their gold from their amazing experiences in this journey called life. And of course, we are so grateful to those of you who are able to go onto iTunes and just give us a review. I'm not going to give you the obligatory pitch for a five-star review. If you think we're worth four stars, make it a four-star review. I want that feedback, okay? Don't you, don't you gaslight us with those five-star reviews unless we truly earned it, which I think we did today, Mike. What do you reckon? Oh, I give it five stars. Word up. <laughs> All right, guys, lots of love. We'll see you next week. This has been another episode of the Mankind Podcast, produced in association with the Mankind Project USA. We have been your host, Paul Newell, Boyson Hodgson, and myself, Brandon Clift, and we want to thank our guests for joining us today and imparting their wisdom from their experiences in this amazing journey called life. If you want to find out more about today's guests and support them in their mission, you can find links to them in the show notes. Now, if you have found gold and insights that you believe could benefit your loved ones and those you care about, be sure to share it with them. And of course, we are always grateful for a rating and review of the show on iTunes. Now, we've got to give special thanks to our back-end team, producer, editor, and audio ninja for the show, Michael J. Russer, and Don Huff, who takes care of our graphics and promotions and pretty much makes us look pretty. So, of course, thank you, Don. Now, above all else, we've got to thank you, the listener. Because through your attention and your support, you have made it possible for us to let men all over the world know that they are not alone and that there is more than one way to be a man. And if something in this episode has touched you, then perhaps it is the call to action to get involved in men's work. With live trainings happening constantly and in-person trainings happening all over the world, the Mankind Project definitely has something for you. Now, if you've enjoyed the music in this episode and all of our episodes, be sure to check out Jim Donovan and the Sun King Warriors. I have links to them in the show notes. And lastly, just know what it means to me to be a man is completely different than what it means for you, what it means for Paul, what it means for Boyce, and that is the beauty of this journey. So if you are looking for guidance, support, and community as you begin to unpack and dive deeper into your men's work journey, then you know where to find us. Same place, same time, next week. Lots of love. We'll see you then.